Psalm 13. If you take your Bibles, join me tonight in Psalm chapter number 13. Uh, we have been for the last few weeks in a little series that we've called on Sunday nights, The Stony Ground. And when I introduced that series, I did so by talking about a patch of ground in my front yard that um, just is embarrassing. So it is, um, it's almost non-existent. It's just dead and it's just this patch of ground that is pathetic in my front yard. And uh, you know, last week on Sunday night after church, we had a family game night and uh, we had a great time with the group that came over to our house. We just had a lot of fun. But they rang the doorbell, so I went to the door, and, and I opened it, and I said, hey, great to see you. And they said, yeah, we knew we were at the right house because we saw the patch of grass. <laughs> and so I slammed the door, and I walked away. And, I said, and we're not doing family game night anymore just because of... So anyways, you know, I'm just reminded that uh, there are these, these patches that oftentimes in our lives, not just our yard, but in our lives... It's just like, man, I, I seem to come back and I've, I've, you know, I've watered and put, you know, lawn fertilizer and I've done everything, but it's just like it's a continual source of frustration. Tonight we're going to begin a topic in this Stony Ground series that will actually take a couple weeks. We'll, we'll do tonight and then we'll revisit it again next Sunday night. And I'm certain we could add additional time to that, but we'll limit ours to two Sunday evenings. We're going to talk about the stony ground of depression. The stony ground of depression. I was thinking through the title for this message, and I thought it could also be called Walking the Pathway of Pain. Because there is something that when we struggle with depression, there is some painful element aspect. Uh, sometimes it's actually um, accompanied with physical pain. But always with depression, there's some aspect of hurt, uh, some sense of this is not the way life is intended to be lived. And so I have begun thinking through some of those, those interactions that I've had with people who have struggled with extended periods of time that were connected to depression. Sometimes it's unknown to them. In other words, they don't know exactly why am I struggling with this. Uh, the, the questions that sometimes are asked biblically, why art thou cast down, O my soul? I, I can remember one man um, that I pastored and he had years of intense physical pain and he had certainly seen doctors and, and looked for diagnosis, but they were elusive. And he also struggled for years with deep bouts of depression. And I've often wondered, is the depression that which caused the pain, or is the physical pain that which caused the depression? And it would be, I suspect, maybe difficult in his case to determine. And the frustrating part to him was the, the aspect of how long do I have to struggle with these depths of depression? There was another man that I pastored. His name is Jerry. He is now in heaven. But Jerry was in his late 50s, early 60s, and, um, you know, doing, doing life. 
um, active in church. He and his wife um, had had um, a life that was marked, a pathway filled with ministry and ministry opportunities. Uh, one night, in the middle of the night, he woke up and wasn't feeling well. He got up and began to walk and um, lost his balance because he was so sick. He fell backwards, and when he did, he hit the back of his head, and this actually revealed that he had a genetic, long-time genetic issue with the fusing of the vertebrae in his neck. He didn't know this, but when he hit, his, his, he literally snapped his neck. And in that moment, he went from this fully active, engaged person involved in life to a quadriplegic that, that needed help to breathe. And if you want to talk about someone then who faced the reality of depression, um, Jerry certainly could be one that, that could articulate some of the struggles. When you start to even work to define depression, we would say extreme sadness or despair that lasts for extended periods of time. It interfaces with the normal events of daily life, can cause a wide variety of symptoms. I mean, sometimes we, we would even, even be a little foolish to try to define all the ways that it reveals itself. Physical pain, loss of sleep, lack of energy, inability to concentrate, feelings of worthlessness, and on and on we could go. Most people who have done any kind of cursory study or even just have heard and, and taken note during preaching of the one that we oftentimes refer to as the prince of preachers know that Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a man who did struggle with bouts of severe depression. There is an institute that studies the life of Spurgeon and um, the, the Spurgeon Center actually detailed, they wrote an article titled, 11 Reasons Spurgeon Was Depressed. And it's a very serious article, but they started to just walk through what are some of the reasons, just looking back and then gathering information from his own writings. Why would we deduce that someone like Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the one who writes so beautifully, so powerfully, with an eloquence that remains today, we might say, unmatched. Why would a man like Spurgeon struggle with depression? Sometimes we, we look at people and we say, well, of, of any person who wouldn't struggle with depression, it certainly wouldn't be, insert whatever name you choose to insert there. So when I started to review this article, um, I thought these are some things that we're going to use when we address the matter of depression. Allow me to, to review the article and what it is that they said, reasons why. We believe um, some reasons why Charles Haddon Spurgeon struggled with depression. The first thing that they identified was this, and that is chemical imbalance chemical imbalance. Why does he struggle with depression? Again, from his writings, Spurgeon said the following, do not think it unspiritual to remember that you have a body. The physician is often as needful as the minister. Insightful, isn't it? He said, all right, listen, we do struggle at times with this malady we struggle at times with this inability to move past something in our mind. And what Spurgeon said in this instance, and by the way, in many other instances as well, 
Spurgeon says there is a body and we shouldn't be so quick to think that our mind, our thinking isn't impacted by a physical reality. So why is it that Spurgeon struggles with depression? Well, some have deduced there, there may well have been some significant physical issues that contributed to Spurgeon's depression. And I say that not because we're going to detail that or go into this in any kind of serious depth, but I do think that one of the, the downfalls of the church at times has been to say, well, you just need to pray more. Do you know what, what you need to do is you just need to learn this passage of Scripture. And if you pray more, and if you learn this passage of Scripture, then you're going you're gonna to come out of this depression and everything's going to be okay. And I don't think that that's always sound advice. Certainly, there are spiritual components to depression. I'm, I'm not trying to deny or ignore that. But I think that beyond just the, the, the spiritual component, we do need to at least acknowledge there are physical components at work that oftentimes come into play when we find ourselves in a season, a period of depression. So why does he struggle? Well, first of all, chemical imbalance. Secondly, illness. Illness. I know we're staying on the same chord here, strumming the same chord, but Spurgeon said this. He said, I have been very ill for more than five weeks, and during that time, I have been brought into deep waters of mental depression. Again, the two men that I mentioned earlier, I think that their cases regarding depression were certainly exacerbated. They were compounded by the physical nature of illness. And so when there are physical illnesses at play, it oftentimes contributes to the weight we feel of depression. Why else does Spurgeon, do some believe he struggled with depression? Number three, trauma trauma it was just prior to Spurgeon's first wedding anniversary to Susanna Wesley uh, excuse me not to Susanna Wesley um, to Susanna Spurgeon my bad sorry Mrs. Wesley and um, so one of the reasons that um, he struggles they say is trauma so it's just prior to his first wedding anniversary to the one that he refers to as Susie Susanna and they had just had uh, twins, their twins were very young, and he's about to have his first service in what was going to be a temporary location. It was the Surrey Gardens Music Hall. It was a mammoth auditorium that evening. Now he's gonna be able to walk from his home to the Surrey Gardens Music Hall, and as he does so, he says goodbye to his wife, his, his newborn twins, walks over, there is gathered inside the auditorium 10,000 people. 10,000 people have packed this auditorium. There are some reports that say that as many as that were actually outside the hall. They couldn't find seats to get in. So Spurgeon, in, in, this is early in his ministry. He's a young man. He's about to go preach to 10,000 people. And he does so. The meeting had just begun. It was early in the, the, the meeting, the assembly of these people. And certainly the excitement is palpable. This again, it's the first meeting in this location. And, and a couple people who had come to cause mischief at that meeting 
begin to shout with fervency, fire. And of course, when, when that rings out throughout this auditorium, there is a pandemonium that breaks out with these 10,000. And of course, in that day, I mean, we, we have so many different exits, so many different ways to, to leave a building. But in that day, of course, codes were not as, as to the same standard that they are today. There was literal chaos and um, through the chaos, seven people in that assembly were trampled to death. And then dozens more um, incurred serious injury. When Spurgeon learned what had happened, he, he fainted. He passed out. There were, was at least one newspaper that reported that Spurgeon himself, receiving the news of the loss of life, that Spurgeon himself died. That was printed. This trauma that he experienced, the, those that were close to him say it never left Spurgeon. Um, those closest to him said that immediately he wanted to depart the ministry, to leave the ministry. There are some who have evaluated his life in response to what happened at the Surrey Garden Music Hall. There are some that say for the rest of his life, they believe that Spurgeon experienced some form of post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD, that it never left him, that for the remainder of his life, when he's writing about some of his bouts of depression, they're saying that at least in part, it came from the trauma that he experienced during that early traumatic experience in, in, at the Siri Gardens Music Hall. Why did Spurgeon struggle with depression, chemical imbalance, illness, trauma, Another reason some say, and again his writings bear out, that he struggles with depression, loneliness, loneliness. Again, in the words of Spurgeon, he said, this loneliness, which if I mistake not is felt by many of my brethren, is a fertile source for depression. Do you know when you feel all alone, when you find yourself in circumstances where it seems like there are none at your side, it is fertile ground for depression. We just start to wonder in our minds, is there anybody that I can turn to? Does anybody else understand? Is anyone else going through what I'm going through? Who knows the challenges that I'm facing and we answer no one. And then we take another step beyond that. Not only am I all alone and does anybody else know, but then we go to the next step and we start to say, does anybody else really care? Loneliness. When we feel all alone, it does, it does provide some fertile ground for depression. What else? They also have said one of the reasons he may well have struggled with depression, increased mental exertion. Like the demands that were on his mind. Words of Spurgeon. I cannot yet call myself free from fits of deep depression, which are the result of brain weariness. But I am having them less frequently, and therefore I hope they will vanish altogether. He said, there is something that's taking place, the, the weight on my mind. And when I have these, these weighty thoughts, this brain weariness, it tends to be some of the causes for the bouts, Spurgeon said, of depression. Number next, reason why Spurgeon may have struggled with depression. 
I found this one most interesting. And I think for many in our culture today, in our world today, I think many would even say, well, this is the very thing I'm seeking. I mean, we have, we have people today that are trying to do anything. In fact, doing things that I suspect they might themselves be uncomfortable with to have their moment of, and here's the next reason, fame. Fame. When you start to think about what it is that causes a person to struggle with depression, notice what Spurgeon says regarding the matter of fame. When I first became a pastor in London, my success appalled me. And the thought of the career which it seemed to open up, so far from elating me, cast me into the lowest depth, out of which I uttered my misery and found no room for a gloria in excelsis. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, when, when I first came to London, he's not, he's not trying to insinuate this, but we might derive. Listen, when my ministry first really took off, like a lot of traction, he's referring back to, I mean, early in his ministry days, when, when, when he is now, you know, He's, he's in charge of these crowds of 10,000 plus. Typically on Sundays, he's preaching to 6,000 people twice. He's saying, when, when this happened to me, it was not what I anticipated. My success, my fame, so to speak, actually became one of the very things that caused some inner turmoil. We might go so far as to say depression. Listen, this is not uncommon today. If we started to study those people who have, have risen and their star is shining brightly, we oftentimes find when we, when we start to see the, the, the shine on the star begin to dim, we oftentimes find that behind the scenes they are struggling greatly with depression, anxiety, inner turmoil. I mean, how many times do people write their story about how they tried to mask the hurt of depression with some kind of substance that will dull the hurt, the fear, the anxiety, the depression? So when, when, when Spurgeon says, wow, these, these things caught me off guard. Listen, when I came to London, my success appalled me. The thought of the career which it seemed to open up, so far from elating me, cast me into the lowest depth. What is it that caused his depression? Failure. Failure. Spurgeon's words. How often have some of us tossed to and fro upon our couch half the night because of conscious shortcomings in our testimony? How frequently have we longed to rush back to the pulpit again to say over again more vehemently what we have uttered in so cold a manner. Now he's speaking, of course, in the context of his ministry. But you could apply that to anything. How often have we, have we lost sleep at night saying, oh, if I had that to do over again, oh man, I, I, I didn't succeed at that. I intended it to be done this way, but the reality is it came out that way. I wanted this, but I got that. Oh, if only I could go back and do that over again. 
And he says, how many times have, has he himself turned half the night away saying, oh, if I could only go back to the pulpit again. Why did he struggle with depression? Some might say conviction, conviction. Spurgeon's words, I often wonder to this day how it was that my hand was kept from rending my own body in pieces through the awful agony which I felt when I discovered the greatness of my transgression. Do you know what he's talking about? He's saying, ah, the conviction, the weight that I felt, the burden that came across me. It is is the sense that, you know, my, my groanings were all the day. That there is some sense of this inner conviction because of my sin. Why the depression? This one was also insightful. And this is one of those things that if you had the privilege to sit in the, the, the tabernacle with which he was preaching, we might say, well, well where in the world? That, that certainly is not the case. But notice the next one. That, that Why his depression? Nervousness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, nervousness. Notice what he wrote. To my great sorrow, last Sunday night, I was unable to preach. I had prepared a sermon upon this text and with much hope of its usefulness, for I intended it to be a supplement to the morning sermon, which was a doctrinal exposition. The evening sermon was intended to be practical and to commend the whole subject to the attention of inquiring sinners, listen to what he said. I came here feeling quite fit to preach when an overpowering nervousness oppressed me and I lost all self-control and left the pulpit in anguish. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he comes prepared to preach. He, He takes the pulpit And there is something that comes over him that he says, I I, I couldn't do what I anticipated I would. I I approached the pulpit and there to preach the word, the message prepared. And yet something comes over me that that, that he says, "I, I, to my great sorrow. Why depression? Nervousness. Why depression? Controversy. Controversy. Toward the end of Spurgeon's life, he faced what was called the downgrade controversy. The Baptist Union of his day was softening on doctrine to which it should not soften. Uh, The atonement of Christ, the authority of scriptures, these were not secondary matters. These were not unimportant issues. And Spurgeon saw them drifting in a way that he took a firm stand regarding He took such a firm stand that he actually removed himself from the union. And then the union does a public censure of Spurgeon. So this public censure of him. And uh, this is a major issue for them. This is broadcast in churches all throughout the area. Um, Only seven people from the numbers of men that voted to censure him. Only seven people did not vote affirmatively to censure Spurgeon. Um, His wife actually said, when you think about the the ramifications of this, his wife actually said, this fight for the faith cost him his life. Why depression? Controversy. Lastly, why depression? Criticism. Criticism. 
the Sheffield and Rotherham Independent, the newspaper, wrote of Spurgeon, and this is just one example of many. Charles Spurgeon is a nine days wonder, a comet that has suddenly shot across the religious atmosphere. He has gone up like a rocket and ere long will come down like a stick. Now, it might be easy to say, well, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never. I mean, who here really believes that? Who really believes that words will never harm me? Why did a guy like Charles Haddon Spurgeon struggle with depression? Well, we would say for a lot of good reasons. Do you know that doesn't leave us tonight with a a lot of hope? Let's let's read our passage, and then I'm just going to say some concluding thoughts. The passage is Psalm chapter 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Four times, David says, God, how long? Verse 3, consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. You know, we don't know where this psalm is placed in David's life. We don't know. Many times we know, well, David was fleeing from this enemy, or David was facing this challenge, or David himself had failed and now he's articulating. We just don't know truly where does this psalm fit. And I suppose that's okay. Because when we start reading through this psalm, we're not saying, oh, well, I've never faced anything like that. It's almost as if God the Holy Spirit said, hey, listen, you don't know at what point in time this was David's struggle, but this is a struggle with which you and I often identify. How long, Lord? You know, time permits us tonight from diving into this psalm. I do know that this Wednesday evening, um, I will fill this pulpit. And so let's do this. Let's continue this passage on Wednesday evening, and then we'll follow this. We'll conclude this stony ground section on Sunday night next. Let me encourage you to do this this week. Let me encourage you to focus on both halves of this psalm. Take some time even before this next Wednesday night and not only ask the question, but look at David's resolution. And we're going to find some wonderful helps even in this psalm for why is it that at times we struggle with depression?